Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Show Us Your Kit, uh, the show where we have a look at old football kits and share football stories and look at memorabilia, etc. And as I've bailed him out quite a few times by being a last minute <laughs> guest on the 77 Club, I've been joined by Sam, the host of that said podcast. How are you doing there, Sam? Not too bad. Episode 10, I wasn't invited on for, for the pilot for episode well, it's one. A, that's disappointing. It's a landmark, uh, landmark episode. So <laughs> that's true, yeah. Hitting double <laughs> figures, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I've done them all in the last three days as well, but it's going to be staggered out over the next couple of months as there is nothing else to talk about. What are you doing then no. in terms of content on the 77 Club at the moment? We aren't really doing anything. Mostly social media stuff like, do you remember this player? Uh, <laughs> and things like that. That's one of Harry's ideas. Um, but otherwise, you know, there's, there's not much going on. We're not really the sort of outlet that will go along the lines of gossip. That's something we try to mm. avoid. Um, and there's not really much else to talk about. We had a season review that we did of the 2013-14 season. That was quite fun to sort of get everybody's stories from that season. It's obviously a great season in League One. Um, mm. But as it turns out, we all just enjoyed getting drunk most of the time. So it's, <laughs> it's good to see that a lot has changed <laughs> in those years since then. <laughs> uh, but no, some, some good stories, mostly um, alcohol fuels, but no, fantastic mm. season. And then go and check it out if you, uh, if you, if you can. Yeah, definitely. And uh, well, I think it would be, would be worth uh, hearing some other seasons reviewed retrospectively but I, I do fear they might be a little bit the same as you've uh, as you've just mentioned uh, yeah <laughs> but uh so well first of all I'd like to ask you Sam when or what's your earliest memories of being a Wolves fan then uh I was quite late to the party really I was I was brought up really as a a Liverpool fan mm. but never really taking much of an interest in football I was never never really good at playing it I think my dad used to um take uh, the like coaching, like used to coach the kids at school. Yeah. And I think I was more interested in chasing butterflies or messing around <laughs> than actually playing football, um, which I think maybe broke his heart a little bit because he was a very good footballer. Um, but it's sort of, I, I got my first taste. I went with Bayless, who was on the podcast, uh, to Wolves versus Cardiff. It was in 2004, five season. We lost. 2-1 but I remember it being my first game of football I ever went to and the atmosphere was incredible because uh, I never felt anything so I had actually nothing to compare it by so it must have, mm. it might have been terrible by yeah. all accounts but um, <laughs> my first proper taste of Molyneux and, and fell in love with it straight away and because I'm such a cheapskate and don't like spending any money <laughs> I remember the first thing I did was was go back home and I made my own wolves clock and various pictures by printing off logos wow. taking apart my clock at home wow. and uh, and make my own one out of, out of all that stuff um and i i remember vividly and my mum and dad remind me of this quite a lot actually was that when we didn't do well or we lost all the memorabilia that i had created would be taken down off the wall because i was so angry with them uh, so the, <laughs> the, the frustration stretches back pretty much to day one um but yeah that's that's my earliest memories is that first game and um haven't looked back since the rest as they say is history yeah. and uh and now you travel all over europe following them and now it's completely amazing it's it's incredible yeah. it's like something that I, I never envisaged even you know 12 months ago that we began yeah. uh, to turin or bratislava or barcelona or you know wherever else we've been mm. following in this season and i hope it's not a complete waste of time <laughs> so, but we will see <laughs> nothing will take away the memories i think well, yeah, exactly. yeah. So that was that was the main one I, I don't think i don't think any any away day will ever 
uh, top that, obviously, apart from uh, Gdansk. And we go oh, to, man. Um, so. I don't know if you had, but I certainly had. I, my flights are booked and they still haven't changed. So I might, so turn, up to, never know. I might turn up to Birmingham Airport on the 26th of May and <laughs> try and get to Poland, <laughs> regardless. <laughs> um, I can't remember cool. what I was going to ask you something else then about oh, that, that Cardiff game. Because yeah. I remember a Cardiff game around that time. I think it might have been the following season, though, where the Cardiff fans sort of invaded the pitch at halftime. Can you remember? Was it that game? Or was was it? It, yeah, it wasn't that game, but I know which one you're talking about because I think I remember looking over to the Cardiff fans who must have been sat in Steve Ball, mm, do it, yeah. Billy Wright lower, and we were going, look at that Cardiff fans giving that policeman a talk, like proper like having a go at him, and then this mm. policeman just went bang straight out on the floor and that, that is one of the things i remember actually that was, i don't know why there was so much trouble that, that day well, the story goes that apparently they they refused to sell beer at half time to the away fans and the cardiff fans had all gone down to have a beer they weren't allowed to have a beer and they all came rushing out of of the concourse then into the, the i don't know into the seats and people were pushed onto the you know over the wall and past that but then oh, they, they spent the whole second half then stood pretty much on the edge of the pitch they weren't in the stand. They were out on the red concrete bit around the, the side of the Steve Bull. But it was a very peculiar game. But <laughs> I don't really know what. I'm sure we won that game as well. But um, well, I'd have been early teens, so I probably wouldn't have understood the frustration yeah. of not being able to get a beer at half-time. But <laughs> now I'm much older and uh, slightly more raggedy that I would... I would probably be on their side actually yeah and then it, subsequently after that they were banned from coming to Molyneux the following season and it was but they left the whole away section without any Wolves fans in it so it was a really weird atmosphere yeah and I'm sure Cardiff Strange. won that game so they scored yeah, yeah it was just silence did. in the ground uh but anyway let's get let's move on to the first bit of the show then um you've got to show us a your favorite Wolves kit now it's a very recent one actually and it is the one that is uh, last season's uh. white Away okay. kit. Uh, I love the white kits. Uh, the one that we had back in like the Andy Keogh days, um, yeah. which I think would have been uh, Championship season, yeah. two thousand and seven or seven ish. Like yeah, uh, seven eight. Yeah, yeah, around that time, uh, a Chaucer one, and that was my favourite from from back then. Obviously, this has brilliant memories um, for some reason, mm. and not so much for for obviously. Wearing it at Wembley, which was you don't like to talk about, um, no. so I won't. <laughs> but no, I I love the white kit. I love, um, and actually last season's home kit. I th- you know when it came out last season, got a lot of stick, didn't it? Saying mm. it, was, it was yellow, and I look I look back at now of, of all the highlights of last season. I don't know whether it was the games, obviously the brilliant games that we won in that kit, but um, I definitely do prefer that. But for me, the the white just edges it, and I think it's just it's just got to look bit of class to it um mm. i don't think i, I like i just like it yeah, yeah. i think it's, well, it's, it's, it's a good... quite a few people who've been on this now have picked the home version of that kit as their yeah. favorite kit. So i can Matt, see why definitely. yeah but i don't, that white kit for me i just can't look at it without having no, like heartbreak <laughs> i know that it had a bit of redemption when we beat um what yes but there's a really interesting fact i'm not sure if it might have been you lot on t- twitter who posted it but we hadn't won a Premier League game in a white kit for something like, I think it had been like 20 games or something. Um, for Wolves, who don't play in white every season and don't play every away game in white. No. It was some mad stat that we hadn't won until that Watford game. But we got that bit of redemption. But, yeah, good stat. Yeah. I can't yeah, I, like I say, like, there's, I mean, Wembley was a, a brilliant day up until the 77th minute. So, yeah, um, yeah I 
<laughs> yeah, I've got like the, the emotional side of that. I mean, have you watched the highlights back yet? Because I still can't. Uh, see, I, I didn't have any problem with watching them immediately. I think I watched them the day after, and I like still now, like you don't think it's going to happen. Very similar to when I watched the highlights of the Cardiff game from the season before when they missed the mm. two penalties. I never yeah. think John Ruddy's going to save that first penalty. No. <laughs> and then um, and then with that, still when Jimenez scores and he gets the mask on and stuff, I think, great, brilliant. It's all going well. And then you think, yeah. why didn't Dendonka just step it, close down <laughs> that shot that first time? Why did Dendonka lunge in against Troy Deeney that second time? We'll never know. Um, but no, it was, it was it, I think you said it, it sort of like did the podcast after that, which I think was therapy for everybody involved and, and for anybody who listened to it as well. Yeah. And opening with this monologue that sort of ended with the cheesiest thing I think I've ever said, which was, it's the hope that kills you, but it's oh, yeah. the lack of it that is terminal. And, and I do stand by that, you know, I, I think there are definitely going to be days where we'll get redemption for that. And obviously yeah. we've almost already had it with that European place anyway with Watford. Yeah. But, there will be success and, and we will be there to see it. It just wasn't meant to be that day. And and the fact they got spanked by City 6-0 in the final yeah. sort of gave you a little bit of solace. Yeah, but we definitely would have beaten City. Cause we, we definitely have, We have done it in every now, single yeah, game since. Yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, the other thing about that game as well, I think it taught the fans a huge lesson because uh, particularly younger fans who have not been through the heartbreak of playoffs and failed attempts at promotion and relegation. Mm. You know, if you've just been supporting Wolves as a as a ten year old, all you're going to know is success. So I think it was it's a good learning curve. And then one of the coaches, I'm not sure of his name, but it's the the bald one with little round glasses. You'll know who I mean. <laughs> Penfold. <laughs> <laughs> he he spoke to the he spoke to the the squad after the game, and he said it's similar to. Um, I can't remember. There's a famous, but I think it's it might be Nelson Mandela. But it's not about how you get knocked down; it's about how you get up from this now. And that's what Chumbawamba did a similar yeah, thing you know, I was in the say, 90s. I was going to say Chumbawamba, <laughs> but I was trying to be serious. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's what inspired them to finish seventh. I don't think we'd have finished seventh if we'd have got to the final. If we'd have won that game two 0 we'd have finished tenth. We'd have lost in the final. And this season would have been wouldn't have been as great as uh, as it is or might be. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen? Interestingly, uh, what's your gut telling you? I think a lot of people are missing football, and uh, I'm one of those people. And mm. I've watched various rewinds and think you should obviously know what's going to happen. So it's, it's not the same, is it? But mm. there's nothing more important than longevity in the human race, and yeah. You know, playing, getting football delivered for what is essentially money reasons yeah. is wrong to me. I'm quite happy to not watch any football um, until it is sorted. You know, until we've got a vaccine. I don't think there will be meetings in public places until that happens. I don't think the pubs and restaurants will be yeah. opened in the same way that we used to until there's there's a vaccine, and you can't rush that. And mm. you know, if I was a footballer, a professional footballer being told that I have to wear a mask, I have to take a test before every game, I wouldn't want to play. And, you know, it's, it's an entertainment sport, but th- this, is, this is bigger than football and it should be bigger than money. But obviously yeah. the big, big decision makers are conscious of, of money and contracts and fulfilling games and, and that sort of thing. But I think it just proves how unsustainable football is in 2020 that, you know, you can have a couple of months off and, and the whole thing caves oh. in. 
It's you know. uh, it's very fragile, but I think Wolves should be in a strong position financially, and you know, hopefully, all the players are fit and able as well afterwards. But yeah. and hopefully, I can't see why this season should not get completed either. All seasons should be given the chance to to finish off, and then we can have well, one season cancelled, and that be next season rather than yeah. And there's there's um, loads of comparisons to. To, to what is happening now to the war and mm. you know always going on about the war of, of how there was this split spirit and you keep calm and carry on there was no football played in that yeah. six year period and why should this be any different loads of pressure to get the 2021 yeah. season underway and it's just like write it off if it needs to be written off yeah. call it the 29th season of the Premier League mm. rather than the 2021 season when it starts then doesn't matter you know yeah. Yeah, we, we've had no football for a long period of time before and, and mm. to me that it shouldn't be any different now yeah you're absolutely spot on couldn't agree with you more right it's going to move on to the next section then so this is a non-Wolves shirt now this is not the this is not the first non football shirt because Manny did provide a uh, marathon shirt that he had worn for a bit of fundraising. But you have chosen, and I like it a lot, Sam. Got a lot of time for it. The England cricket shirt from I'm going to guess 2005. But you can this, tell us the story. Yes, well, um, I've obviously haven't got it with me. My mum's taken a picture of it, uh, like she's about to sell it on eBay. I hope she does. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, that was uh, the first one I bought. Um, and I remember, I mean, that Ashes series made me fall in love with cricket, really. And and, mm. and from then on, I was I was playing uh, club cricket, playing with my dad, playing with um, a couple of mates who are on the podcast, actually, mm. notably Bayliss. And that crop of players really showed just how brilliant it was as a as a series for England to win, but also the the quality in that Australia side was yeah. phenomenal. You know, we we talk about the Australia side now sort of like Steve Smith and and, mm. and that lot and, and also South Africa but you know when you look at those names you look at the pedigree in that side it's a phenomenal side and everything went England's way that test series um yeah. you know Glenn McGrath <laughs> treading on a ball in training yeah. uh and and coming out of that edge baston test I mean, that edge baston test is obviously still sends shivers down the spine yeah. um yeah but just how how close it was and um on a knife edge um but yeah, a, a brilliant test series and, and and wearing that shirt, if I do a bit of training or if I ever do play and my knee doesn't fall off, um, <laughs> that's definitely one that I pick. So uh, yeah, it definitely holds a special place in my heart yeah. just because of that that fantastic Ashes series. Yeah, well, I already enjoyed cricket uh, be- before that series, I remember, because... Before it's big, before it's popular. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was the same with the Kings of Leon as well, but... <laughs> 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 but then... Um, but I, I do remember, like, I remember sitting watching that series and a number of games, almost every game, my heart would be like racing yeah, for hours on end because they'd be so tense. Every game was close, uh, apart from the first test that Australia yeah, that was... wiped the floor with England. But um, I'm going to make you jealous now because I had the best work experience ever because my work experience was the following summer in May in uh, at Edgebaston Cricket Club on the ground staff during which oh, wow. England played a test match there against Sri Lanka. So I got to sit and watch five days of the test match <laughs> and have Flintoff, Peterson, Cook, Strauss, all that all that team just walk in and out of the little uh, shed that we were in as they went walked to their nets. But one big regret that I have is that on the, I think it was on my birthday, in fact, at the end of May, the England team were there having a net, but I had an RE short course um <laughs> 
exam <laughs> and they were looking for anybody to come and bowl at the at like, oh uh, so if there is a god <laughs> if there was you would do you know what i mean amazing. You know what yeah I mean? you could oh that is oh that's one of those things where you go why did i do that i know i mean that's, that c in re short course what's that got me <laughs> where is that coming <laughs> i mean everything happens for a reason so i i guess um yeah i probably would have been my effect maybe but uh yeah, yeah. that's 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 gutting. Heartbreaking, and, uh, yeah. Were you, what, how did you bowl? Uh, well, I'm not much of a bowler anyway, but I can bowl little off breaks. Little, um, off, little off breaks. Yeah, well, at the, now I'm a wicket keeper, but last okay, season... you're probably better than Ashley Giles. So. <laughs> oh, I don't know. There's King of Spain. <laughs> yeah. He, um, yeah, he's, he's a lot better now. When you look back at clips from, of him, he was a much better bowler than he, they made him out to be at the time. But because yeah, he, Australia had worn... And we yeah, had Giles. Were... There was no comparison really at all. No, no, exactly. No, that's 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 fair. So as we talk about cricket as well, then uh, talk about last summer. Uh, your memories, first of all, of the World Cup final, and then the Headingley Test match, the two standout moments of the of the last year. Oh, the World Cup! Yeah, um, incredible. That I'll start with. Yeah, the World Cup was, I think, a little bit different because there was England were the favourites, and it was. You know something that was almost in the bag it seemed but then i've never seen an england side that has the ability to collapse like yeah that one does and mm. the amount of talent in it but sometimes you when you can go from 50 for no loss to 80 for five and you just think you know because they're, they're blockbuster players aren't they people yeah. like ben stokes who was phenomenal um it, through that through that entire tournament and has been for England for, for a lot of time, um, especially since coming back from his uh, <laughs> fracas in Bristol um, yeah. a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah, I remember watching it and just getting very angry and frustrated and why have they done this, why have they done that? And, mm. and that, that roller coaster of emotion that I think that format takes you through. Uh, you know, it's my favourite to watch one day cricket by a mile, even though... Yeah obviously said about the, the tests and stuff yeah. but you know for for big shots big hits mm. big catches as well because obviously that yeah. that comes with the territory of big hitting it, it is it's brilliant to watch and, and that world cup final was edge of uh, edge of your seat stuff and mm. I, I don't think it'll ever be replicated to go down no. to the final ball in the way it did in in the super over to little bits like the scoring six when the four came off Stokes' back. Yeah. He didn't mean it. And, you no. know, the fact he's a New Zealander at heart and mm. all that sort of thing is just, just added to it. And it was, um, yeah, an incredible, incredible tournament and an absolutely fully deserved, I think, on, on balance, you know, taking out Australia in the way that we did as well yeah. uh, the game before that. So, yeah. And, well, the Headingley Test match as well, uh, we were actually in Turin when that started. I'm not sure if you can remember. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit shady, yeah. I don't know why. I think there was something in the Estrella. But, no. <laughs> but I, uh, I spent at least the uh, definitely the Friday and then a little bit of the Saturday before we flew back of just walking around Turin, listening to TMS uh, and listening to the collapse and stuff and then i'm not oh, sure if, yeah. you, if you if you know but they replayed the whole test match on on radio five live uh, sports extra recently oh, I, right. I, I listen i listen to it again <laughs> so i've listened to- <laughs> <laughs> well it's funny because we we're going through because obviously we'd done the um the race to turin where mm. uh, jack bayless and i had uh, flown to geneva got the mountain bus to mm. 
Milan bullet train to Turin and, and Harry and Seb in the car uh, beat us by about five hours because we got cocky in Switzerland uh, drinking and, and overslept. <laughs> but we, I remember because we were like, well, we've got to get the car back to Wolverhampton. And Harry, Bayliss and I were driving over the Alps and mm. Bayliss's phone just kept pinging and pinging. He's like, another wicket. It's another wicket. I can't believe it's another wicket because we obviously kept losing the signal and then all his messages would come through and it'd just be this this massive collapse, which made him incredibly angry because mm. I was trying to sleep. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so it was it was one of those journeys back where you're like, oh my God, I can't believe yeah. that this is collapsing like, like this. But obviously it, it didn't end in tears. So no, that's right. <laughs> that's the main yeah. thing. All's well that ends well. All right, let's move on to the next bit then. Your favourite Wolves clip, which I'm going to yep. put on the screen now for you to explain why this guy, and it's not, I'm going to spoil it for you, this is not the first time that we've seen this on the podcast either, I'm afraid. Somebody no, well, else has also chosen uh, Ebanks Blake's wonder goal. I remember watching this. I was watching it on TV, actually, and I, I don't know why I wasn't going to the game, but I was watching my granddad, who is no longer with us, so, mm. um, but... It was the most he'd ever moved, I think, in years uh, because he lived next door. I was watching his house. Uh, he lived next door to a, an Albion fan. And when this goal went in, he was straight up out of his chair, banging on the walls, shouting at the Albion fan, various uh, fantasies um, when that went in. And obviously, when Leroy Lita equalised later on in this game, yeah, he- there were pictures <laughs> coming off the wall in, where we were because the Albion fan was bouncing back, have some of that. And then obviously when... Carl Henry scored the winner. Um, it was back up again. Both <laughs> a little bit run out of energy by then. But you know, that is a fantastic goal, and yeah. uh, he was brilliant for us in in that season, and obviously the the next season after, mm. which is the promotion season. So yeah, it just holds a, a special place in my heart that goal because just being able to see someone who hasn't really moved very much yeah. in in many years to uh, to almost uh, shout down next off. So uh, yeah, that's that's why that's special to me. But a, amazing, an incredible goal and a, a brilliant finish. Yeah, well, one of the great games as well of of the, that sort of decade as well. And the the goal from Carl Henry gets overlooked as well. Not only yeah, is it a great it. goal, but the, the the last. But Kevin minute, Kyle did something. Yeah, I was going to say that was <laughs> what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah, similar to Marlon Harewood. Then the next year, yeah. these two weird players that come on loan for no reason. Like, why were they both no the, these big lumps out wide whipping the ball in? What were they doing? What, yeah, a big Mac- McCarthy style centre forward that is going to, you know bash them heads together and that's yeah. what he did and, and it was a brilliant cross and I just wasn't expecting it from him and, and the finish was <laughs> even better but yeah, yeah. if only I'd have been man. there I'd have loved it <laughs> right your next clip I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get the sound but what we'll do is we'll leave the clip play because uh, I think I was worried that the it wouldn't be beeped out oh no it's yeah it that is, makes it funnier <laughs> yeah uh, so we'll leave the clip play and then uh, we'll talk about it in a minute yeah. if I can just not as professional as you lot with your. Uh... <laughs> that's, the, that's the beauty of audio. I know. <laughs> you can just pause. <laughs> Here we go. <clears throat> I don't know what. Uh, if I do that, can you can you hear it? No, I can't hear. No, that's right. Ha, ha, ha. 
I know that clip so well that I, I had no audio then, um, yeah. but I knew exactly what you were saying. Um, you know, that's it. To, oh, yeah. Oh, man. And then England lose 4 0. Brilliant. A, a great film. A fantastic yeah. film. You know, if there are any football fans that are out there that haven't seen it, please watch it. Yeah. <laughs> and even if you have seen it, Watch it again because it's phenomenal. <laughs> well, um, my my yeah. dad hadn't seen that film, uh, so for Christmas a couple of years ago, I bought it for him. We watched it together, and it has got some very very good moments in it. But it's, some of it is a little bit dated, but it's so good, so yeah. good. Yeah, I, I, same for me. Really, I, I would watch the TV series with my dad as well, yeah. and I would be in fits of laughter every Thursday night or whatever when we actually had to mm. wait for things and we couldn't binge it. Yeah, uh, back in the day and just they had it some of it just for the time as well just down to a t and and that half-time team talk is apps i don't know it must be neil warnock inspired uh but i can remember we used the clip on the podcast one time which i think it was after we played aston villa and it was the steve bruce mm. uh team talk that we said it was um so any any excuse to play it really um so <laughs> yeah just i think the beeping because you, you're conscious that the beeping yeah, there wasn't any, but um, but that definitely makes it 100 <laughs> percent adds to it. I, I think beeping will always be funnier than actual swearing. Yeah, uh, in TV shows, definitely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that clip for me is is yeah. a, a, a one of you know it's one of many in that uh, film that I probably could have taken out. Mm. Uh, you know when he's dancing on the bar and Pelican oh that's what I was thinking you know, about. <laughs> <laughs> or um or uh, calling up Benson and Hedges because Benson he and Hedges on the <laughs> where on this fag packet does it say Benson and Hedges there but, on yeah. the front <laughs> yeah. on the front right <laughs> very good right let's uh, move on to the very final part of the show then Sam unfortunately you're not you haven't well you might I might have it. I'll give it to you. Yeah, I will. 100%. Yeah. So tell us the story then behind your last So I was, where was I living? I was living in deepest, darkest Devon at the time. Uh, I was living in Torquay, where my first job was. Mm. And we lived in a flat, me and my friend. Uh, And downstairs from that flat was a very cosmic old man, um, where we used to have many conversations that were deep and meaningful at this time. So I was probably around 21, (laughs) no, 22 at the time. Um, and I remember coming back from a night out with my girlfriend at the time, and this actually sounds really bad when I say it out loud, but she fell down the stairs and it wasn't anything to do with me. Cause then, then I fell down the stairs cause we were both so drunk at this point. I know it shocks you, Tom, yeah, that I would be drunk enough to do that. But as we both, after we both fallen down the stairs and trying to get up from this night out, got a knock on the door, like banging down the door. And it was Al who lived downstairs and we'd woken him up. And he just like this tirade of abuse. And I just stood there sort of just, just taking it because I knew it was fully deserved. Mm. Um, but the next morning he came over and he, he apologized and he said, oh, I was really sorry. You know, my blood sugar was low and uh, <laughs> I just, I just had a go and you shouldn't have had a go. I was like, Oh, don't worry about it. It's fine. He said, look, I want to, I want to do something for you. And I, I know you're a football fan. So accept the apology. I'm going to, make something for you and he was an artist an incredible artist mm. uh former sign writer um just very 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 talented man and it took about i think six months and it's this big it must have been a six foot by six foot canvas and he'd done wall uh, like a wolves logo with i think it had out of darkness comes light mm. in the bottom 
I was like, oh my God, that is amazing. It's just a huge thing. He's like, no one else in the world is going to have one of these. And I was mm-hmm. like, great piece of memorabilia. And then he flicked on a UV light and it just lit everything up on it. So all no the, you know, the eyes and, and the outline and the, and the writing as well. So um, that is one of my prize uh, pieces of, of Wolves memorabilia, yeah. even though it's, it is in no way official. Um, but it is very individual. Um, so we'll have to get uh, that yeah. over to you because it's an impressive impressive work of art it sounds it sounds very very unique and that well that's very unique. i like kind of th- things like that like little drawings or bits of art that somebody has done but well why why had he done that had he already prepared to give it to you or, or what Cause... no um it, we had always um sort of watched wolves games and stuff whenever they were on on tv and and that sort of thing and you know he sort of like he didn't have a football team to follow and he thought, oh, I may as well get into Wolves. And, you know, we'd have chats and conversations and I'd tell him about the club and then he'd mm. learn and stuff. And then he obviously knew that it was a passion of mine to uh, to go and watch them. And I think that's just why he came up with the idea of uh, of doing it. But it, yeah, brilliant. Six mm. foot by six foot, absolutely massive thing. It took him, like I say, about six months because he was very intricate. And, you know, yeah. once you've done it on canvas, it's very hard to correct mistakes. Mm. Uh, you know, he wasn't drawing on an iPad. So, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was taking up his living room for, for quite a long time. And I think he was sick of the sight of it by the time he finished <laughs> it. So he's glad to give it to me. So, uh, yeah, rolled it up. And, um, and unfortunately, ever since, I've just had nowhere to, to put it. Mm. Um, you know, any, any girlfriends that I've lived with have, um, <laughs> have categorically said, no, I can't put that up. Uh, which is a shame because it's a wonderful piece of art, but apparently it doesn't go with uh, the theme of most rooms. Well, <laughs> what you want to do is you want to get a little wolves room like me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly what I need. Yeah, I need a man cave. That's that's yeah. what I need. So exactly right. Well, thank you very much, Sam, for coming on and sharing your stories. Very entertaining, and uh, hopefully, when things are back to normal, the seventy-seven clubs going up and running, we'll be chatting more regularly. But... Absolutely. No, thank you for having me on. Um, it's been actually really nice to talk about something that hasn't been coronavirus-related. Yeah. So, oh, so thank you very much for that. Now at the oh, end. No. Oh, Sorry, no. COVID nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> thank you very much, then, Sam. Thank you everybody for listening. Uh, don't forget to check out the seventy-seven club. Subscribe to this channel. Check out the, this podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Acast, anywhere else as well. And then uh, I'll see you again in a couple of days for another episode. Thank you very much. Goodbye.